my last name is pronounced Semenina. It is a Slavic name. My dad was born in the uh, Ukraine, came to Canada when he was about uh, 11 years old. So I'm a first generation Canadian, so I'm not uh, an old timer uh, Canadian by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe my gray hair will give that away, but uh, my family hasn't been in Canada all that long. Um, this morning we're going to look at uh, Daniel, man of faith, and uh, our passage is Daniel chapter 6 verses uh, 1 to 23. There was a man, he uh, was taking a hike and he fell off a cliff while he was uh, hiking. But fortunately he was able to grab a, a branch on his uh, way down and holding on for dear life he uh, looked down to see uh, the valley below him and it was about a thousand meters and uh, the long way down he looked up it was about uh, 10 meters up and there's no way to get up and so he's hanging on to the branch and uh, he yells help help is there anyone up there and a big booming voice comes over and says I'm here to help and I will save you if you believe in me and the guy says I believe I believe and uh, the voice says if you believe in me let go of the branch and I'll save you so the guy looks down, it's a long way down, he looks up, there's no way to get back up. And so he yells, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> so when it comes to this thing called faith, it's easy to have faith when there's a safety net, when we can see something below us. It's easy to have faith if we have one foot on the ground. It's easy to have faith if we know that someone else is up there and we know that we can see them. It's easy to have faith when things are going well. It's easy to have faith when we have something uh, that we can touch or feel. Uh, that is a whole lot easier to believe in. But when that belief, our faith is tested, like letting go of the branch, faith becomes another matter. And so we're going to take a look at faith and how it plays out in our daily lives, how it grows, what it looks like in our lives. And so we're going to take a look at uh, Daniel and his life of faith. Now we usually think of uh, Daniel as a prophet, but he was actually a man of faith as well. And we'll see that. Uh, but before we do that, let's just have a little brief historical background on Daniel. That'll give us some background to his life and his uh, life of faith. Daniel was born into royalty in Jerusalem. Right now he is in Babylonian captivity in Babylon. And it was during the reign of the good King Josiah, and he repaired the temple, he restored worship, he found the book of the law, and he kept the Passover. And so it was during Daniel's years in Jerusalem that he was exposed to the prophetic ministry of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's prophet uh, to the kings after Josiah was, repent of your idolatry and wickedness or you will be punished by God. Daniel lived to see that day as he was taken captive to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in Babylon, Daniel and some other Israelites were separated and they were educated in the Babylonian arts, uh, religion and culture. Daniel lived through the various reigns of the Nebuchadnezzar family. Daniel lived through the downfall of Babylon as the Medo-Persian Empire takes over and Darius becomes the new head or king of the new empire. Daniel lived through a great political turmoil and instability spanning some 70 years or more. And this takes on added significance, especially when the culture and custom of that day was for the conquered people to be killed. And for some reason, he was spared. And all through that time, Daniel's faith never wavered once. Not once did he say, is there anyone up there? You know, the times sound familiar, don't they? We live in a time of uh, turmoil. So the times that Daniel lived through are not that much different than what we're going through uh, right now. 
And so the question is, what did Daniel possess or do that made his faith real, that he never wavered, even under the most difficult of circumstances? In Daniel 6.23 we read, The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Had trusted in his God. This was written after Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. Uh, this incident took place during the reign of Darius. By this time, Daniel is well into his 70s or even into his 80s. And we find this written about Daniel. And as we look at that statement made about Daniel near the end of his life, and as we look at Daniel throughout his life in Babylon, we see, first of all, the growth of faith. The statement, he trusted in his God, is not just a statement of fact of God's existence or a head knowledge that God exists or that God is there, but he believed in his God in the sense of a sincere trust. Daniel lived in dependence on God, trusting God, relying on God for preservation, for, to keep him, and for wisdom as he went about his uh, daily duties. Daniel's growth in faith was marked by clarity, being under the ministry of Jeremiah, uh, Daniel would have known about the prophecies concerning Jerusalem and its people. Uh, and having been a person who lived through that prophecy and realizing what Ezekiel 2.5 says, if these things come to pass, then a prophet has been among you. Daniel lived to see those things come to pass just as Jeremiah had prophesied. For Daniel, there was no mistake, no confusion as to where his faith would be placed. There would be no mistake as to the source of his faith, especially when he had seen prophecy being fulfilled right before his eyes and having lived through it. He had experienced firsthand God's dealings. Daniel was clear about God's wisdom, as we see when Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar what his uh, dream was and then interprets the dream. Daniel was clear about God's sovereignty, as we see in the interpretation of that same dream and uh, how the future nations would uh, rise to uh, importance and prominence. Daniel was clear about God's faithfulness as he lived to see the 70 years of captivity come to an end and see some of his people return to Jerusalem just as God had promised through uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Just as in Daniel's time, there's a lot of confusion out there in terms of what to believe or place our faith in or, or trust in. All you have to do is look on the internet and Google uh, the virus and uh, you have all sorts of things of what to believe and not to believe, things to do and not to do, and some are good, some are bad. Like, I don't pay much attention to it, but you have to realize that our times aren't that much different than Daniel's times. And at the time of Daniel, there was a mixture of idolatry, superstition from other peoples and nations. Babylon itself was a hotbed of idolatry. It was a mixing pot of peoples and religion as peoples came together. And today is no different with its philosophies and others who uh, proclaim their own brand of faith and try to persuade you that their way is right. Just as Daniel's growth in faith was marked by clarity, it was also marked by loyalty or devotion. Daniel lived at a time when true faith in God was not popular, and many people were not loyal or devoted to God and God's purposes or plans that he had for his people. God's plan for his people then and today was for them to be a separate godly people and a nation and serve the only one and true God. And it was on account of the Israelite nation not being loyal that this nation went into captivity for 70 years. The Israelite nation had abandoned God and set up its own idol worship like the people around them. Faith cannot grow where there is a departure from God and his purposes. Daniel was loyal to God and he was faithful and true to the God that originally called his people. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, the word looking in uh, verse 2 is a word that literally means to fix one's eyes and to look with eyes that are trusting. Our gaze, our attention is to be focused upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so we need to focus consistently and constantly on Jesus. Jesus as finisher and author of our faith has done everything necessary for us to continue on, to carry on with our faith. He is our example and model. Daniel's growth in faith was also marked by certainty. No injury whatsoever was found in him because he believed in his God. Daniel's faith in God was one of outward living as well as inward conviction or belief. Daniel was certain of his faith. There was no, is there anyone else up there type of faith or looking to someone or something else? Daniel's outward actions were backed up by his inward convictions and beliefs that God could be trusted simply because Daniel's first-hand experience with God was that he could be trusted. Daniel knew that God would be faithful and could be trusted to do the right thing, whatever form that may take. And sometimes that's not always an easy thing. Daniel never doubted God because Daniel had made God his God. It was personal. It was something that Daniel experienced for himself on various occasions. The growth of faith happens when we are clear on who to place our faith in, when we are loyal to that person and we are assured or certain of our faith in that person. Just as there was the growth of faith, there was the test of faith. Throughout Daniel's life, his faith was tested. Daniel was taken to Babylon when he was a young man, anywhere from 15 to 20 years of age. He was taken from his home, his family, taken from familiar surroundings, taken to a new and strange land with foreign customs, gods, culture, no safety net of family, very few people of like-minded faith. There would be tremendous pressure to follow the Babylonian ways. Daniel was away from uh, any parents and godly influences and taken to a land of idolatry. Could faith even survive in a place like that, let alone even grow? So at this point in time, Daniel had two choices. Daniel could turn away from God and forget about faith in God. After all, what good had it done him? Or, secondly, Daniel chose to trust God. Through it all, Daniel chose to trust God. Sometimes life is not a pleasant journey and life can be downright difficult at times. And so what is our response when life does not go according to our plan? Do we throw in the towel, give up our faith and ask, where's God and why did he allow this to happen? Or do we trust God like Daniel did? Like just like Daniel, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Not so long ago, probably within the last half a dozen years, I had to make that choice. I was going through a really difficult time and uh, I was seriously thinking of walking away from my faith. After all, what has God done for me? I had wrong theology and wrong thoughts. That's another story and message. But I chose, I chose faith in God and God has rewarded me for that. There's a choice to be made during those difficult times. Do we stick to our faith or do we pack it in? Not long after Daniel was in Babylon, he and others were uh, singled out for a service in the king's palace. This was about a three-year training period and part of the training was to eat what the king had uh, arranged. When Daniel learns of this, 
we read in Daniel 1.8, but Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. There were two problems with the king's uh, menu. Firstly, the menu no doubt included uh, food that was uh, not allowed by the law of Moses. And the food was not prepared according to uh, regulations, according to the Mosaic law. And secondly, the meat had probably been dedicated to idols, as was the usual custom in Babylon. So to eat the food would have been to recognize the idols as gods. And Daniel recognized this, and as a matter of choice, Daniel requests a diet of uh, vegetables and water. You have to understand that this was a serious request, as it could be seen as going against the king's wishes. And the penalty for that could be death. Serious, serious matter. And so Daniel proposes a plan whereby they are given water and vegetables to eat for 10 days, and then they will be compared with uh, others who are on the king's diet. At the end of uh, 10 days, Daniel and his friends are in uh, better health and they look healthier. God honors that plan and their faith. Daniel chose to honor God and his Israelite heritage. No manner of hurt was found upon him because he had trusted in his God. At this point in his life, Daniel recognizes that he has no other choice but to trust God and rely on him. Daniel is learning that God can be trusted and that God would honor faith. And this is still at a time when Daniel is very young. Daniel is cultivating a life of dependence upon God and trusting God for all things. And this is a pattern that Daniel would have all through his life. Let's fast forward some 50 to 60 years when Darius is king of the new uh, Medo-Persian Empire and sets up Daniel in a prominent political position. From Daniel 6 uh, verses 3 and 7 we discover that Daniel has been faithful and honest in obeying all the laws of the land and he did his job faithfully. He, there was no corruption and Daniel was obeying all the laws of the land but uh, Daniel's enemies didn't like that and so they knew that uh, they could get Daniel if it had to do with something against his God. And so the wicked and jealous Persians devise a plan to trap Daniel and uh, try and do away with him. And so they make a law and the law stated that there was only one person, the king, through whom all requests to God or gods had to be channeled. This law would be in effect for 30 days, certainly long enough to catch Daniel uh, engaging God in prayer. The king was tricked into signing the law and he later regretted it. In Daniel 6 verses 8 to 9, the law was made in the manner of the Medes and Persians. Once a royal law had been issued, it could not be uh, reversed, even by the king himself. It remained in force until the law expired. Uh, the practice of creating a law that couldn't be changed may follow from the idea that changing a law was to admit that the law had been wrong or faulty or that there was something uh, wrong with it. And so the kings considered themselves to be next to gods and any admission that a law was faulty was to admit that they were human and not gods. And so Daniel knew that the law was in place and he continued with what he was doing. He prayed to God. As a result of that, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel would not deny his God simply because God through the years had proven himself faithful to Daniel. The next morning, the king comes to the lion's den to find out if God was able to deliver Daniel. Daniel 6.23, the law had been kept. Daniel had suffered the punishment for breaking the law, except there was only one problem. The lions hadn't cooperated as his enemies had hoped. <laughs> Daniel once again chose to trust God with the result being that no manner of hurt was found upon him because he trusted in his God. Faith was tried and tested. It was also honored. There was a growth of faith, 
there's also the triumph of faith. As we look at Daniel and the situation that he found himself in after the law had been signed, if we knew that we had 30 days to live, what would our response be? Would it be to get our house in order? Would we be writing emails to uh, various people? Would we be making calls? Would we be making trips to uh, see people? Would we be clearing our conscience before God and man so that we could die in peace knowing that there is no unfinished business that all our relationships are mended? Would we want to be ready to meet God with a clean slate? Or maybe it's the other extreme. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow I die. Might just as well have a good time. Or maybe you might try bargaining with God. God, if you spare me, I will do anything that you want. God, I haven't asked you anything in the last 20 years, and if you do this for me, I won't ask for another 20 years. I've read a story of that nature. If the only time we pray is when we're in trouble, then we're in trouble. <laughs> Daniel 6.10 Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel's response was to carry on as usual. That is the triumph of faith because our conscience and our heart is clear before God and man. This is not a denial of the situation that it's in. It's a recognition that there is nothing we can do about it. And we come to the conclusion that we will carry on as much as is normal under the circumstances. In Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of the faith heroes, the first part of the chapter is all about the heroes of faith. And as we look at our lives, I know that I'm not going to do any of those great things that I read about there. But as we read on later in Hebrews 11, verses 36 to 40, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. And this is where we live. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. As we persevere in faith, we are counted with those who have gone on before who persevered in their faith. And that is where most of us live. And that is just as important as Hebrews chapter 11. So we don't do those great things, but we are counted faithful with those who have gone on before. And I like the response of Daniel's three friends just before they're thrown into the fiery furnace for refusing to bow down and worship the golden image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Job 13.15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job is saying that even though God may choose to take my life, I am still going to trust him. The triumph of faith is to stare death in the eye and trust God. Psalm 48, 14 says, For this is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. The triumph of faith is to stare cancer or some other dreaded disease in the eye and trust God. The triumph of faith is to stare uncertainty and fear in the eye and trust God. 
Psalm 31:15. My times are in your hand. And this past week I've been reminded again of uh, Psalm 91, and I've taken the time to read it. It's a tremendous psalm, and it speaks to our situation today so very, very clearly. I would encourage you, take a few moments and read it a couple of times during the week, or perhaps every day. A good reminder of where we're in and where our security and where our safety lies. The triumph of God is to trust God that He hears and answers our prayers. Maybe not in the way that we expected, but that God hears and answers our prayers. The triumph of faith is to persevere in prayer for years, knowing that God will answer if we are asking in accordance with His will. Hebrews 11.13 reads, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Faith sees the end. The triumph of faith is to see the end and to continue to persevere, to realize that, yes, got to keep on going. It sees the end. The triumph of faith is being faithful to the end. Now, you might be asking yourself, why are some delivered and others not? Not all can say that no manner of hurt was found upon them. Why is it some are kept from danger, others suffer, some are healed, and some aren't? I don't have an answer for that. And, uh, and, and all I can say is that God in His divine sovereignty has His reasons. God has His purposes that He wants to accomplish. And I know that provides little or no comfort. The prophet Habakkuk asks God some difficult questions. And God answers them. And Habakkuk doesn't like God's response or answers. So he struggles with that. And God says, the just shall live by faith. God is saying, I know what I'm doing. I've got this covered. I'm asking you to trust me. God asks us to trust him, even though we don't know what's going on around us. That is where our faith comes in, to trust God even in those difficult times. As we look at Daniel, God did not keep Daniel from the lion's den, but kept him safe in the lion's den. There's a world of difference. Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. The triumph of faith is to keep walking through the valley even when things are falling apart around us or coming to a grinding halt like we see in many nations today. There's also the reward of faith. Hebrews 11.6 I always come back to this verse. And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That is the promise. The reward rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Uh, Augustine said, Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. I like that. Mm -hmm. Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. And as we look at the reward of faith, the immediate reward is answer to prayer or whatever that may be. It might be salvation of a, of a loved one, it might be healing, it might be restoration, meeting of sudden need, or, and the list could go on and on. As we continue on with Daniel, the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And as he was being thrown into the den, the king says to Daniel, May your God, whom you continually serve, rescue you. This ungodly king encouraged Daniel that the God whom Daniel served would deliver him. Think about that. A non-believer, an ungodly king encouraging Daniel. I find that a bit remarkable. I don't know about you, but that's remarkable. Unbelievers around us will pick up on our faith. 
they're, they're watching us and they will observe us. And what an open door of opportunity we have right now to stand firm in our faith and not fear what is going on. The reward of faith, God answering in a way that we never expected. In verses 25 to 27 in Daniel 6, the decree of Darius to worship the God of Daniel was sent to all peoples, nations, and languages. As a result of God sparing Daniel and the decree of Darius, men and nations were pointed to the God of miracles, to the God of Daniel. God's miracles are designed and planned and intended to turn men to faith in God. We see God working and doing more than we could ask or think. God's wider purposes are at work. God sees the whole picture. We don't see it. So we don't know what he's trying to accomplish through the difficult times that we are, that we are going through. If Daniel had taken a day off and not prayed just to save his life, would there have been such a decree? I don't know. And so what does this mean for us on a day-to-day -day basis? The challenge is to put God first. Matthew 6, 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Faith expresses itself in our lives in such a way that it reaches out and touches the lives of others. It's a lifestyle that only happens as we put God first and allow faith to grow. We do not know what the future holds. For some, faith will be tested. This is part of the journey that I call life. As our faith is tested, will it have the root to triumph and trust God completely? Life is made up of a series of choices, and when faith is tested, will the choice be to trust God? Or do we ask, is there anyone else up there? The challenge is also to fear not. There's a lot of fear out there, and we can create our own fears as well. I made a trip into Tokyo, and I was walking around among skyscrapers, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, if an earthquake happened, I'm going to get sliced in two by a falling piece of glass or a big hunk of cement's going to fall on me and flatten me. We can create our own fears. Our minds are quite capable of that. We can fear for our health. We can fear for the long-awaited visit to the doctor's office, not knowing what the results of the test that were done. Perhaps we're fearing surgery, not knowing what the outcome will be. And as I look at Daniel, I don't see any fear, only a quiet confidence and trust in God. Daniel faced a lot of unknowns, and yet he did so with confidence and faith in God. Now you might be thinking that the type of faith that Daniel has is almost impossible to achieve. We have to remember that we have looked at Daniel's faith over a span of some 70 plus years. Daniel did not get there in one day. It was a lifelong journey. A proverb says that the longest journey starts with the first step. There's a lot of truth to that. Having a faith like Daniel starts with the first step of putting God first, making God a priority, trusting God in the little things so that faith can grow. If you take nothing else out of this morning, take this. Put God first. Let faith grow. If there was a time for a faith like Daniel's, it is now. We need a sure faith to live in an unsure, fearful world. We need a sure faith in a God that does not change to live in a changing world. We need a sure faith in a God that does not change, to change everything. As we enter tomorrow, we might be doing with a lot of uh, fear, with a lot of uncertainty. We do not know what tomorrow or the future holds, but we know who holds the future. We can confidently and boldly go into tomorrow knowing that God is already there to meet us. Fear not for tomorrow, because God is already there. As we walk hand in hand with God, it is good to know that God is already there when tomorrow arrives. 2 Timothy 1.12
This is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, whom I have believed a faith, a trust in God that cannot be shaken. To guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, I have entrusted my life, my times, to God, and God will keep it. And that is the assurance of faith. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, the assurance of faith that we have in you, that you are a God that does not change. And uh, you know the beginning from the end, and you know how all this will uh, shake out. May it be a time when, even though our faith is tested, may we stand firm, and may we stand firm knowing that uh, you are a God who is right there with us through this time. May we walk confidently and boldly with you, knowing that you are our guide, that you are our guide. So pray, Lord, that you will encourage us with your word, knowing that you are leading and guiding step by step, that you are ever present. In your name, amen.